You're listening to Inside the Village, where all news is local and no topic is off limits. So help me, Bob, it's bully in the alley. Hey, bully in the alley. So help me, Bob. This is Inside the Village for the week of March 29th, 2023. I'm Scott Sexsmith with Michael Friscalanti, Editor-in-Chief here at Village Media. Inside the Village brought to you by Mitch Snedden at Reverse Mortgage Pros. For guides, articles, and information, go to reversemortgagetruth.ca. We took last week off. Good to see you. Good to be back in the studio. I'm sorry. It was my fault. Uh, we were out uh, looking for a suit jacket, a second jacket that would fit me, but uh, I'm still in the same one. And you got to you got you got to take your time with these things. It does you got to try a right. lot on, right? You got to find that section of the store where the size is right. <laughs> but we're getting there. We're getting there. My problem is, and and although what Moore's can attest to this, I keep moving down to a bigger size. You move down? I thought you were going to tell you. I guess you'd be moving up. Yeah, you? I thought you were going to say. In my head, I like to call it moving yeah. down because it, it's like a maybe it makes me feel better. Oh, I thought yes, you were going to say because I keep seeing you walking out of the gym that maybe you are uh, going down in size. I'd, I'd be afraid to see what happened if I didn't go to the gym. But here's what Aldo will tell you about suit sizes. Okay. Don't let the number fool you. Now, he told me that once and I called BS on it. And he said, no, it's true because every designer, every cut, it's all different. So, that's That's my excuse then. I think you look great in that 42 reg. <laughs> yeah, when I was 12. <laughs> they call that uh, the good old days. The good old days. That's right. All I got right. a story to tell later about some 13-year-olds uh, that will blow your mind. All right. Look forward to it. In the meantime, let's uh, get to the first word uh, to Frisco. Uh, our good friend uh, Keegan Kuzalanka out of Alora Fergus today uh, with a really interesting uh, story from earlier this week. Yeah, you know <laughs> – we do sound like a broken record because I tell a lot of the same kind of stories every week just about the great work we're doing. But this is a great example of Keegan Kozalenka is one of our reporters at Laura Fergus today. And uh, he was covering a, a local township uh, council meeting in the morning. And then later that night was covering another public meeting for the township. And a resident stood up at the microphone, as they often do at these meetings, and said something along the lines of, how come I had to find out about this thing happening through them? <laughs> and, and pointed right at, right at Keegan. And I guess the mayor stood up and, and said that he knows how he feels because he saw that there was a story from that morning's council meeting up on the website before he even got home from the meeting, right? So basically, that's the highest praise you can get from a, as a reporter, right, is that the people in the town that are that are following your work are impressed that it's up so quickly and, and so accurately. So, you know, that was a great moment. And there was some some good joke around with Keegan about how his new nickname is The Machine. The Machine. But uh, he's great. <laughs> Keegan The Machine. All right. Uh, spring is here. Uh, the days are getting longer. But in the town of Blind River, the work weeks might be getting shorter. Well, Imagine, this is a great story, too. So Carol Martin, writer at Elliot Lake today, was talk, wrote a piece about how they're examining the possibility of a compressed work week in the town of Blind River, which, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this in the communities about letting people work a four-day work week and a little bit longer days. Uh, so this is something that we might see where a Blind River is leading the way. All right. Art Boone, a uh, wonderful story out of Stratford uh, and our editor there, uh, Paul Clough, uh, telling the story of Art who uh, recently passed away, a 98-year-old World War II veteran who continuously gave back to the community. You know, and some great local journalism – uh, is oftentimes telling the story about someone who is so important to the community who sadly has passed away. And this was one of those just wonderful stories. Art was nice, like you said, a 98-year-old World War II veteran, enlisted in the Army when he was underage, lied about his age, stormed the beach at Normandy, was part of D-Day, 
came back and played hockey, right? You have to explain this to me. He didn't play for the Red Wings, but he tried out for the Red Wings. He had a tryout and apparently uh, shared the ice with the likes of uh, Gordie Howe, yeah. uh, Sid Abel, uh, Ted Lindsay, and according to Art Sun, uh, he held his own and did very well. Yeah, which is amazing, right? And then he also, just a great volunteer in the community, an advocate for veterans and someone who, you know, was just a, a part of the part of the fabric of the town. And Paul did a great job telling that story, which is really a huge part of what we do is telling the stories of people in our communities. Absolutely. And one way, as you know, that we do that is through a feature called Behind the Scenes. And I want to give a shout out uh, to a friend of the show, uh, Richard Vivian at Guelph Today, who just this week when we were filming an episode of Behind the Scenes, took it one step further, raised the bar for everyone, and actually did the uh, the segment uh, from the scene uh, that we were talking about. And in this case, it was a, a historic wooden bridge, uh, the uh, former uh, Guelph Reformatory lands, uh, and Richard did just a bang-up job. So you invited him to come on, and when you, he logged on, there he is standing by the bridge. There he was, and it was lightly snowing, and uh, it was it was just terrific. Great job by Richard. It doesn't surprise me at all. Richard's one of our best reporters in the chain. He does great work at Guelph, and it uh, doesn't surprise me at all that he would do that. All right. Uh, coming up uh, this week uh, on the show, of course, we got the federal budget coming out and talking about uh, the state of the economy and, and more importantly, the state of what is inside people's wallets. And a lot of people these days saying not much. A new study is out, uh, the annual Joe Detter uh, study, and we're going to uh, talk about that and the impact specifically that uh, it's having on uh, millennials. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's a bit scary. It certainly is. All right. That and more when Inside the Village returns right after this. Are you over 55 and considering a reverse mortgage? Receive the free guide that shows you how reverse mortgages really work. Reverse Mortgage Pros, providing trustworthy advice to help you make the right decision. To learn more, visit reversemortgagetruth.ca. Welcome back to Inside the Village, brought to you by Mitch Stedden at Reverse Mortgage Pros for guides, articles, and information. You can log on to reversemortgagetruth.ca. With Michael Friscalanti, Editor-in-Chief here at Village Media, I'm Scott Sexsmith. Pleased to be joined uh, on the line by uh, Ted Michaelis. Uh, Ted is uh, an insolvency trustee with the firm Hoyes, Michaelis, and Associates in Guelph. Ted, welcome to Inside the Village. It's great to have you here today. Nice to be here, gentlemen. So we're going to talk about your annual uh, Joe Detter survey. And uh, I think the first thing that uh, I found very alarming that stood out to me, more than 100,000 Canadians filing for bankruptcy or insolvency in 2022. Ted, I guess my first question, is that number as significant as it seems? And, and how does it compare to previous years? Well, if, you, if that number excites you, you go back three years to 19, uh, 2019, and I believe it was 140,000 Canadians wow. filed insolvency. Wow. And so we're off by about 40% from the peak pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, as terrifying as that number may sound when you put it in perspective, it's actually it's going to continue to increase probably for the next decade. It's all based on the fellows that get to approve credit for individuals. They've decided that we just don't all owe enough money and they're going to keep giving it to us until we all <laughs> run into trouble. <laughs> wow. And obviously the big losers in your in your study here are millennials. I think it's almost half of the people who filed for bankruptcy in 2022 were millennials. Yeah, and that's an interesting statistic. It's because the millennials don't have the resources that the older cohorts have to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, old, the millennials don't have homes. They haven't been in the workforce as long. And so when they get into trouble, they don't have the typical things that – Uh, So you or I could fall back on to to rely on maybe remortgage the house or we've got a better credit history. So we've got more access to less expensive money. 
So, Ted, the, in the study, uh, insolvent millennials uh, on average 33 years of age and owed an average of $47,283 in unsecured debt. Now, in, in layman's terms, can you explain to us and for the benefit of our audience the difference between secured and unsecured debt and then what the significance of that average number is? Okay. Well, so the, the simplest way to look at secured versus unsecured debt is a secured loan or some sort of credit has has some sort of asset or something behind it. So for example, your car loan, your house, a car lease, if you don't make your payments, the people that lent you the money have got the right to come and take something away from you. Mm. That usually defines a secured debt. So unsecured debts are basically everything else. And they can go from overdrafts on your bank account, your credit cards, your income tax debt is an unsecured debt. Mm. Um, The worst ones are payday loans and rapid loans, but I'm sure we're gonna talk about those. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. Um, is part of the problem here, obviously, you talked about how, you know, there is so much credit available, like the people are just taking on more and more of it. But when I think about the millennials, just to stick with that for a minute, and not to pick on the millennials, <laughs> but is, is part of it that they're just not learning about money in a way that maybe other generations did at a younger age, how money works, what debt is? Well, yeah, you know, I apologize for this, but one of the common fallacies is that us older folks actually were taught about money. And the way we learned was by the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. And the financial literacy is really something that the education system has always been fairly lax on because it's not in anybody's best interest from a commercial standpoint to teach you how to manage your money. So the difficulty with the millennials isn't that they weren't taught how to, to handle their money properly. It's just that there's been a perfect storm of things conspiring against them the last couple of years Mm -hmm. that have made it particularly bad to be a millennial at this time. Yeah, and that's what I keep thinking too. Just there's so many uh, issues they deal with. There's just another one piled on. We've talked in the past, we've had real estate experts talking about the housing market, for example, and how it seems unattainable for a millennial. Then you see this study come out and you think, man, like they're never going to be able to get anything. Well, and um, let's give you some more perspective. So the millennials... We generally talk about millennials being 18 to 39. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, they're, they should probably be somewhere 26 to 39 in that range, right? Mm-hmm. But um, these are folks that aren't making as much as, say, the folks in the 40s or the 50s because mm-hmm. they've only just started. A third of them are carrying student loan debt, mm-hmm. which is significant. So you get out of school, you want to get started with your life, but you've got to pay back these student loans first. Uh, and then, of course, a significant portion of them are in single-income households, so either the, there's a there's a pair of them, or there's an adult and a child, and it's just it's harder to get by. Well, with on anything these days because of the cost of living. Mm-hmm. Ted, uh, is is it a different mindset? And and by that I mean when you know when we were growing up, you know you would you would buy a house, you would pay off a mortgage, you get a good job and stay there for thirty years and a job with a pension. And today with with millennials, uh, certainly that mindset seems to be uh, a little bit different than from when we all grew up. Well, that's exactly right. I don't think a millennial comes out of school now thinking that they're going to have a career for life. Mm -hmm. Um, Statistically, they probably switch jobs four or five times. Uh, And the difficulty is, of course, when they end up, well, this is now the post-millennials, the folks that get into problems, the baby booners, because they had to make a career switch when they weren't planning on it. So they've gotten later in life and had to to switch gears when they weren't expecting to have to do that. But that's, that's not talking about the millennials. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about the 140,000 number, I think, from a few years ago of Canadians who filed for bankruptcy. We yeah. hear so much about the financial storm that's coming and, and the sort of the bad things that are on the horizon. Um, it, it, do you, and it's, you don't want, it's hard to predict things, but do you see 
in the next five years that that number will climb again back above that as people struggle? Uh, so I'm quite confident that we're going to see an increase of 25% this year over last year. Mm-hmm. And next year, we'll see another 25% increase over this year. Yeah. And the reasons for that simply because people are still carrying the same levels of debt that they were pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And all of the various government reliefs and the um, I guess the relaxed posture that the world was taking to let people catch their breath are now expiring. Mm-hmm. And so the government's looking for the tax money that they may have overpaid you mm-hmm. um, because of the third benefits. The the credit lenders are actually going back to court now to try to collect because the the, the pandemic is effectively over from an optics point of view. I mean, people are still obviously experiencing the hardship, but now the world is getting back to we want our money. Yeah. When you go back to that time, and you're an expert in this, did you kind of see that coming? I mean, I guess a lot of people did kind of think, okay, I can collect CERB, I can get this kind of relief, and it's going to help me through this, not really thinking that on the other end that someone's going to come back and ask for it. Yeah, I mean, I understood the need for the CERB benefits, and certainly it helped a great number of Canadians. There's no denying that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the only way to do it very efficiently and quickly was to just make it a blanket benefit. And now there are an awful lot of people that are paying the price. Um, The millennials didn't traditionally, they weren't high tax debtors, but now half of them have some sort of tax liability. Mm -hmm. And you can account most of that to being paid a CERB benefit they probably shouldn't have applied for or been entitled to. You know, Ted, the thing that we were just talking about before you came on that really struck me about the study um, is that over half of insolvent debtors have at least one rapid high cost loan. And we look at the those high cost loans that can typically carry a minimum interest rate between twenty nine point nine nine percent and fifty nine point nine nine percent. And you know we all kind of know these exist, right? But we just don't give them a lot of thought. I mean, who are these guys that are running these companies that are giving loans at this rate? And why are why are people um, being approved for them? I guess I guess it's desperation, right? Well, it is. I mean, there used to be an old saying, you know, if a bank won't give you money, then you shouldn't be borrowing. Mm-hmm. These fellows, they they fill a market niche that the banks just can't satisfy. So you can apply for one of these loans while you're watching TV and sitting, you know, eating popcorn in front of the television. You can do it in the middle of the night. Um, they make it very easy to borrow. Uh, and they're just very difficult to repay. Mm-hmm. And so the rapid loans uh, are... Uh, quite upsetting, but the, the worst type of this loan we haven't hit on yet, and those are the payday loans, because mm-hmm. uh, they have interest rates up to 390%. And <laughs> what? <laughs> payday loans are specifically exempt from the usury laws in the criminal code. Oh, so the reason crazy. those other loans are restricted to 59.99% is because at 60%, it's criminal. So payday loans aren't part of those laws. So if you really want to have an exciting show one day, get me going on payday loans. Well, let's get going on it. Yeah, I mean, let's I, do it. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel stupid I didn't get to that point. I mean, I knew I, that's insane. Like, and so if you're exempt from the criminal code, they're basically just giving these guys blanket leeway to be to be the to be the mafia. Yeah. I mean, there there is re- legislation in place. There are regulations they have to follow, but it's I mean, it's they're easily circumvented. So I'll give you an example. I mean, they're allowed to advertise that. You can go in and borrow a hundred bucks for fifteen dollars for the first loan. Well, so two weeks later, you owe them one hundred and fifteen dollars. Annualize that works out to three hundred and ninety percent. And so it's the problem isn't the one loan; it's that once you get this loan because you didn't have the money, when payday comes around and you pay it off, you got to borrow the money again, and then you borrow the money again. The average person that we saw in twenty twenty two had four of these loans. And they total up to $12,000 once you cover out that whole rapid loan category. So payday loans, installment loans, high interest loans on the internet. Is there an element of, ad- of addiction to it because it is so easy to acquire? 
I don't think addiction is probably the right term. There's certainly a dependence. Once you get one, you're stuck getting a second one and then a third one and then a fourth one. I mean, it's because there's no way to break the cycle. Man, at 390%, you're almost better off to meet a guy in a dark alley. Yeah. Well, and that used to be the way. Yeah. (laughs) Payday loans used to be I'd go borrow 50 bucks from Luigi and I'd get it back to him next payday or he'd break my arm. That's right. Well, this this is what I'm I'm part Italian, so I'm allowed to make that kind of comment. I'm not being denigrating the Italian culture. No, (laughs) me too. We're allowed to make those jokes. It's okay. But but you know what? That's, That's kind of the feeling you get. I mean. Is it a fair question, Ted? I mean, why does the government allow these? This is to me, it's borderline criminal that someone could give a, a loan at that level of interest. Well, why are they? Why are they? Why is this allowed to happen? The difficulty was before they they brought these things out into the, the daylight. They were happening anyway. Yeah, and so it was happening on the shop floor. It was happening in a bar. It was happening wherever you, you know a couple of guys met and you had to lend somebody some money. At least now it's all transparent to some extent, and you can see it happening. So let's. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's my, I, you know what, Ted? I appreciate the answer, but that still that doesn't uh, make no, any sense. These, to me. They drive me crazy. I remember yeah. when payday loans first came to Canada uh, twenty years ago. We just didn't see them, and then they started creeping into our studies. Yeah, and now it's a significant portion of people's debt, mm-hmm. and it's a horrible burden to have to repay because you just can't get out from under these things. Jeez. So, Ted, let's uh, let's talk about the hundred thousand Canadians that uh, were forced to file for bankruptcy uh, or insolvency last year. Uh, if they want a fresh start, what options are available to them? How do they how do they get back on track? Well, so the the trick with any kind of um, rebuilding your credit is to so that you are using your credit responsibly as a tool as opposed to a necessity. And so, if you're using your credit cards to pay your rent every month or to buy groceries and you can't pay the bill off, you're not using credit the way it was designed to be used. It's not a replacement for cash. And so to rebuild yourself after the fact, it's get yourself a credit card and use it when you know you can pay the bill off and and just build a history of handling credit responsibly. I mean, I'm happy to give you a commercial for what it is that we do to get you out of debt, but that's probably not the purpose of the podcast. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, Ted. Thank you. Can I ask you, is it a fair question to ask you? Just just get, tell yeah. us a story. What's the craziest thing you've heard in the last year from a client who's come in asking for help? Well, so I had a fellow come see me with 29 credit cards. $245,000 in credit card debt. Oh my because he couldn't get approved for any kind of bank financing, and that's how he financed his business. Now, that was, sorry, that was just before, that was the start of the pandemic. And then, of yeah. course, everything locked down, and he couldn't oh, generate any revenue at all, and he was yeah. just dead in the water. Yeah. So he, if without the pandemic, maybe he could have lasted a little while? No, I, he, I mean, that was a freight train <laughs> heading straight towards a cliff. I mean, that's just... <laughs> Jeez. And what about, sorry to go back to millennials, but what about when you get a younger person in their 20s coming in? Do they understand the gravity of the situation by the time they walk into your office? Well, so what's interesting is that um, the younger folks are more likely to heard of a solution called a consumer proposal where you pay back part of your debt. Mm -hmm. Our generations, we all focus on bankruptcy and bankruptcy has got some pretty negative connotations to it. Mm -hmm. The proposal doesn't have the same level of... Um, I guess negative impact on their psyche because they're paying back part of the debt. It's it's just that the kids are more likely to use credit than we are as well because you know cash is becoming a thing that's passe. Mm-hmm. The pandemic has accelerated the the I guess the disappearance of cash in our culture, and I think that's going to do horrible things for the way people use credit in the future. I'm going to be a very busy guy for years to come. 
think they call that job security. That's uh, what they call that. <laughs> Ted, before we uh, before we let you go, uh, anything uh, that we didn't cover that uh, you'd like to mention, or or, or maybe a, a couple of uh, go to financial tips that we can pass along. Financial tip. Well, I mean, the, the turns out that the barber was right. You know, <laughs> spend ten percent less than you make, and you probably won't get into trouble. <laughs> but you can't keep up with the Joneses if you do that. Mm. I mean, the the problem we all have is that we're told we got to have this stuff today. We got to have it immediately. There's you know instant gratification, and if you haven't got the payroll to pay for that, well, then you put it on credit. So mm-hmm. it's generally a mistake. Well said, uh, Ted Michaelis from uh, Hoy's Michaelis. Uh, appreciate this, Ted. Thanks for doing it. Have a nice day, gentlemen. Reporters, editors, and journalists who go the extra mile to get the story and get it right. Go behind the scenes with those who cover the stories that matter most to you and your community. Look for it in the Village Features section of your favourite Village Media website across Ontario. Back to wrap on Inside the Village with Frisco, Michael Friscalanti, Editor-in-Chief here at Village Media. I'm Scott Sexsmith, of course, brought to you by Mitch Snedden at Reverse Mortgage Pros. For guides, articles, and information, go to reversemortgagetruth.ca. I am still blown away that an individual had 29 credit cards amassing a debt of $245,000. That's wild. And you know, I, I often say to people, if you, I swear if you ask people that are friends of mine, not that you're not my friend, Scott, but if you ask other people, I've, <laughs> I've mentioned that you drive by these payday loans places and they, they, they're the maddening, right? Because yep. they're they're in, you know, neighborhood. But tempting. Yeah, they, but it's it, they got the neon lights shining 11 o'clock at night. And I would say it's organized mafia. It's it's yeah. legalized, right? And I didn't realize the interest rates were the almost four hundred percent. That's insane. Well, and who 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 thinks to to sit and annualize yeah. it, right? Yeah. Like Ted says, uh, you, you don't think of it that way. When yeah. You sit down and start crunching the numbers. It's like holy cow, that's crazy. It's crazy. All right, uh, before we go, uh, a simply wonderful hockey story out of Sault Ste. Marie in the Sioux Pee Wee Pro Shop. Penguins that uh, I thought you could share with us. Yeah, you know what? I have to have to tell this story. You know, it's it's the end of the hockey season all over Ontario, right? Teams of all levels, like the elite AAA teams and the low level house league teams, are all finishing their seasons. If you got Facebook, you, your your friends are filling their your feeds full of your friends, sure, t- yeah. kids, you know, winning medals or whatever. So there's all kinds of great, you know, minor hockey stories going around the province right now. But here in the Sioux, there's a team called the the Pro Shop Penguins from the Sioux Major Hockey Association. And this was a team that struggled all year, okay? They only won a handful of games during the season. And there were moments they felt pretty down on themselves that, you know, they were going to – the season was going to end quickly. You talk about March Madness. So the <laughs> the Penguins went into the round robin of the playoffs totally expecting to not go anywhere. They lost their first game. Then the next game they picked off the top-seeded team. They beat them. They shut them out. So they won this next game. Then they won the third game in the round robin. And all of a sudden this team – that thought they were going nowhere, finds himself in the semifinals. They get to the semifinals. They have a one-goal lead late in the game. The other team ties it and then takes the lead with no. like 50 seconds left. And everyone in the stands is like, oh, you know what? Good season. You know, we got here. We got this far, whatever. One of our, the guys goes down the ice, 20 seconds left, scores a tying goal. Crowd goes bananas. A couple minutes into overtime, they score the winning goal. So they come back from the dead, win the semifinal game. They're going to the finals. It's at the GFL Gardens here where the, where the Hounds play on a Sunday night. Um, so they're now playing the, the second-place team in the league. And they've never beat any of these teams all year, right? Lost all year. 
You get to the finals. They're down one nothing. It's one nothing all game. Five minutes left in the game. The Penguins tie the game, and the floodgates open. They score another goal, another goal within an empty netter. <laughs> the crowd's going bananas. <laughs> the crowd's going bananas. The final horn goes. The kids jump on. No business at all being in the finals, yeah. let alone winning the finals. They're just unbelievable. And I know there's stories like this all over all over the province right now, the kids. But man, if you don't, if you don't, this is the reason you watch sports, right? And if these kids didn't learn that if they believe in themselves, they could do something. They they certainly learned it that weekend. So a huge shout out to the. Uh, Sioux Peewee Pro Shop Penguins, U15 in the Sioux Major Hockey Association. That was a win for the ages. It's something they're never going to forget for the rest of their lives. And that is so what's wonderful about sports of any kind. It's the stuff that dreams are made of. 100%. And you know what? And, and I got to say, the coaches were pumping these kids up in the last few months of the season, just talking about, you know, you got to believe in yourselves. There's a lot of negativity sometimes. They're yeah. losing, losing, losing. And just to see the look on their faces, see them holding the trophy and, and feeling that. And, the, you know, as we all know with, with hockey, right, is that then that's the end. These boys, the, the season moves on. Some are older, so they go on to a different league. Some of them go on to a different team. That group will never play together again. It's yep. that one time, that one season and just the bond they made and, and, and to see that happen. So, anyways, I've talked enough about the Pro Shop Penguins, but just a magical ending uh, to the season for them. Winning never feels as good as losing feels bad, but the uh, Sioux Peewee Pro Shop Penguins might just disagree. Right on. That statement. Wonderful story. All right. That's it uh, for us uh, this week. Don't forget, you can reach out to uh, Derek Frisco or myself uh, anytime, 24-7 ITV at villagemedia.ca. You can uh, catch uh, all episodes at insidethevillage.ca, uh, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and of course, uh, across the Village Media Network. For executive producer Derek Turner, editor-in-chief and wonderful, uh, wonderful hockey storyteller, uh, <laughs> Michael Friscolanti, I'm Scott Sexsmith. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. You've been listening to Inside the Village. Frisco and Scott's wardrobe, provided in part by Moore's Sault Ste. Marie.